Welcome everyone to episode 10. We're now officially in double digits of Lunch Academy. Launch Academy's offside banter to our everyday lives here. Um, as always, my name is Sam and I'm your co-host and I have with me always as star of the show, Miss Shade Souk. She always does the gang sign. <laughs> Hello. I, don't, I don't understand. <laughs> no, like, I don't which, throw any which, gang signs. Which sign, gang so. this is like, like it's like a Sesame Street gang or something. Um, um, yeah. Excited. How are you doing? Tenth, How tenth you? episode. We, we said we were going to do something big for our tenth episode. We, but we have a very big hey, episode. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. big for our tenth episode. Yeah, yeah it's like, like, this is a really, we got an important guest. We got, you yeah, introduce we got, him. We, well, we have, we have a very important guest. We got a lot to talk about, and we're not going to do um, what the fork today, because we got so much to talk about. We just, all the forks are going to be in here. Um, <laughs> so we're going to focus on that. So I want to introduce uh, Karam Varani. Um, co-founder, head of education at Lighthouse Lab. So welcome to our show. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. It's awesome. So you've seen us like monkeying around doing doing these shows and you're like, hey, I want to get in on that. Um, so we're really lucky to have have you here. And, and frankly, like you, you've been around Launch Academy as long as you've been around with Lighthouse Labs too. So there's, I mean, there's a ton of stories that that we can go into but lots um, of history yeah but before we before we do that as always on this show we talk about everything vancouver is talking about so we we tricked you into coming on this show because of food um so that's so fair good. It's, that's the um, perfect kind of show for the me. other thing we talk about is vancouverites is how is the weather you're gonna have to predict so the so weather go for it yeah um, okay so i'm the official weather weather, oh, okay. weather forecast how's our here? weekend looking like epic it's gonna be super sunny super hot and we've got like a good eight days in a row of that so today is the last day of like meh so, so today is we and, and how this episode is special is we're actually re-recording um on a on a rainy tuesday afternoon. oh yeah okay so we do have to clarify that yes. we are gonna release this on friday but so right you, now it's tuesday so, so listeners it is friday for you but we're and it's we're gonna going be back sunny. in time it's gonna and be it's sunny. It's gorgeous, all and I'm sweating right now. So that's that's what's happening. <laughs> I'm glad to hear the weather's gonna be good on the weekend. I'm gonna be yeah. in Gibson's. Hopefully, Gibson's is gonna be. Oh, it's gonna be beautiful. Good. I'm gonna, be, gonna awesome. be in uh, Squamish, hiking up this crazy river where you go, and there's like waterfalls, and then there's a lake. It's called Echo Lake. If anybody ever wants to do that hike, it's gonna be awesome. And I'm gonna be at home watching Netflix. No. With two fans. What about Kopi? Kopi's got to go enjoy the sun. Kopi will also be... Kopi is Sam's dog. (laughs) Kopi will also be watching Netflix. I feel like there should be an episode focusing on Sade and her crazy nature adventures. (laughs) I feel like she has a lot to talk about there as well. (laughs) For sure. I will report about that adventure on the next episode. Her adventures are not as exciting as mine, though, but mine are exciting in a very stupid way. Mm. So that 10K that we've been talking about a couple of episodes, so it turns out I got a stress fracture during the 10K. (laughs) Oh, no. It's not something i'm proud to talk about so let's just move on just more dramatic adventures yes right? just more dramatic and embarrassing <laughs> adventures but let, let's get back to you Chrome. so so i mean like when when did lighthouse lab start now like it feels like forever right <laughs> yeah it does it's it's definitely been a lot of long days weeks and years um uh, we're about we're approaching five years five that's, so it was it you're was, like a grandpa in startup age right like that's, yeah. that's what it's like it's yeah. like almost in line with launch academy uh, yeah, Lunch actually, Academy. I think Lunch Academy has been around for about a year or change. Yeah, so, we're, so we we're turned six, five. So, yeah. so it's, a, it's good math. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, like you guys had four co-founders. What, what was the beginning like and, and how did all this come about? Like, what, I guess more, more about like, tell the audience what your background is, first of all, and, and then how kind of this, this yeah. animal shaped itself. Yeah, so I guess I'll do a, a little bit of a quick intro. Yeah, so yeah. my name is Karam Virani. Uh, I'm presently uh, co-founder and head of education at Lighthouse Labs, which is the company we were just talking about. And Lighthouse Labs, uh, we'll get into it, but started out of Launch Academy, in Launch Academy, um, you know, with uh, the co-founders that you mentioned, moving from, mostly actually moving all from Toronto to Vancouver, finding a space or looking for a space, thankfully finding Launch Academy as the nice. space to spawn in. Uh, and then it was, you know, that's when did the you guys all rolling. come here f- just for for Lighthouse, or was it like you were going to move here anyway? And then so a bit, of, a bit of A and a bit of B. Yeah. I, I knew that I was kind of looking for a change from yeah. Toronto and wanted to move to Vancouver. My wife, thankfully, was very supportive in that decision. <laughs> I strong armed slash convinced my existing co-founders in other companies that yeah. this was a good idea. Um, so and, why and Vancouver? Why why the big push towards coming here to set it up? Why uh, not set so it up many, in Toronto? Not like really. we're biased, so you know. Uh, I mean, I'm so glad that was the decision. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, w- I would I love Toronto for very different reasons than mm. I love Vancouver, and that's a, a pretty deep topic. Uh, and there isn't really one reason why it was Vancouver. It was a combination of personal reasons that I, 
definitely saw myself drawn to a city that I had never visited, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, you just moved without visiting. People made fun of me for like just basically mm-hmm. deciding to move to Vancouver, including my partners were like, wait, why aren't we doing more competitive analysis in other cities like Montreal and Toronto instead of just saying Vancouver, that's it, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was definitely emotion and not mm-hmm. just rationality in that decision, yep. like many startups, right? Yep. It's not just about being making a rational yep. choice, and we can talk about that a little bit. Yep. At least that's my opinion. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of uh, sort of, we did do a little bit of market analysis and realized yeah. that the opportunities in Vancouver were really good at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was definitely, and still is quite small compared to the other yeah. uh, larger cities in, yeah. in Canada and North America. So and you were looking for a growing I market. was looking for, yeah, I think, you know, you want to be riding the wave and, mm-hmm. or, and obviously having influence in the wave as opposed to, uh, oh, this is already a hot scene. Let me go yeah. in there. At mm-hmm. least that's my, was yeah. my approach and my mindset yeah. with this. Yeah. You want, you want to be not so so early that you're irrelevant but mm-hmm. not so late that you're just kind of wolf, yeah. you know just picking up crumbs right so, timing is a really really big yeah. obviously and a very important part of, of yeah. startups right and so so kind of kind of just to paint more of this picture of, of the beginning so you guys came here moved here found launch company like what why did you guys come here like like did you begin with just a website was it like web courses like when did it become in-person courses and and why launch Academy? because it's it's kind of like a at least, at least on paper, it wasn't. It probably isn't the exact fit. I don't see too many, you know, labs or, or coding camps that start out of like an incubator specifically, especially with the expansion of space and all that stuff. So it's like, how did you guys come to to here? And I guess you met Ray and Alex and, and all those other guys. And and what did that? What did that? How how did it come out of that? Yeah, I think you know at the time and even today, um, I think it, Launch Academy was the perfect fit. Uh, and it was, I think, for mutually yeah. beneficial, perfect fit for Launch Academy. Uh, the story, in terms of like when it started in 2013 of yep. October, when I, when we started our first cohort. Yep. So I guess a month before that, when yeah. I moved to Vancouver, yeah. um, is that we were looking for spaces. Yeah. And we weren't necessarily saying that we want a community space that already exists that we're going to tap into and jump into, but rather we just needed a space that was that had the right startup energy. Mm-hmm and tech energy yeah and we looked at a bunch of different office spaces most of which except for launch academy were like our own you know we'd have to create the the culture and the environment from scratch yeah and that's fine that was something that we did in toronto we can talk about that in the future um but we when i when i walked into launch academy actually which had already been toured by the other founders who had arrived to vancouver first uh, they had talked with Ray. Ray had actually said, sorry, I, I don't think I have space for you guys. Yeah. And when I came back with them to see Launch Academy, uh, I was like, as soon as I walked into Launch Academy, I was like, this is the space for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just the energy in the space, the people, the startup kind of hustle that was yeah. happening every day, seeing people in late hours, seeing people in on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, honestly, things like the lighting, things like the brick and bean, <laughs> things yeah. like just a, a, a diversity of people mm-hmm. was huge for me. Uh, it made me very nervous to not only move to a new city, start a new startup, but then also yeah. have to do the culture and, and yeah. space settings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not to mention that you're, you know, none of us were tapped into the Vancouver community. Yeah. So a big undertaking for us and many startups are in that situation, right? Startups coming through, let's say, startup visa program or even yeah. their non-technical people, maybe they yeah. weren't tapped into the tech community mm-hmm. and they're now trying to do that as part of their tech startup. Yeah. I personally feel that, and I say this to everybody that I tour at Launch Academy, or that I just talk about with Launch, yeah. about Launch Academy, that it is one of my favorite tech hubs in North America. And it continues yeah. to be. It was five years ago, and it continues to be now. Uh, I think awesome. the energy here is phenomenal, and it's something that's benefited Lighthouse mm-hmm. beyond words. And I think this, you know, I, and I hope the same is true for Launch Academy in terms yeah. of the benefits that Lighthouse brought yeah. to Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and I guess now is where I clarify that we are not paying Karam to say this. <laughs> we are not. <laughs> but thank you for the kind words. Mm. You, know, like, you know, we have demo days every, every month yeah. uh, when our students graduate. Yeah. Our program, we'll talk more about that as well, hopefully. But yeah. every time we start demo day in Vancouver, yeah. we give a big, big round of applause and thanks to Launch Academy That's awesome. before we start yeah. today. That's definitely awesome. really appreciate that. And then having you guys in the space, I mean, I can see the value that it's brought, at least for me, just being here for, I've been here for a year, and this is just what I've seen so far, and it's already pretty incredible that a lot of our startups have hired from Lighthouse Labs, and that's so cool to see that we are able to just, like, have that, like, demand and supply in the same place, helping each other out. Yeah, and let me, let me take a step back there, like, like, I think it's easy to, you know, 
people listening, they're going to be Googling Lighthouse Labs, seeing like what, what you guys do. And it's easy to just say, oh, you're a coding boot camp or, or if I'm using a more old school word, you're, you're a coding school, right? You're a school and you teach coding. Um, but you know, from my interaction, you know, we, we do this day in, day out and we, we work quite closely with each other. Like we know there's a lot more that goes on to that. So what's, what's, you know, from, from the founders, eyes, like, what's your mentality and like, what are you trying to build here? That's a really, really good question, yeah. Sam. So, um, you're absolutely right. Um, the way Lighthouse Labs started was just like any startup where you are not necessarily thinking necessarily the biggest possible picture. Mm-hmm. And as the startup progresses and as opportunities come to you and as you start seeing the solutions manifest in this and as your culture and staff grow, you start to define the bigger vision and the bigger mission. Right? We're five years in. So yes, we're mm-hmm. a startup, but we're also a company that's matured quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. and has more you know, defined processes and things of that nature. Um, our vision has you know, been better defined more recently. Yeah. Um, so yes, you're right. Uh, we're... Uh, a big part of our programming, a big yep. part of what we do uh, as part of our education yep. is the, the coding bootcamp, which yep. is a very immersive, intense 10 week program, uh, two programs actually, yep. one is web and one is iOS, yep. our biggest being our web program, yep. uh, where students who are essentially novice, very early developers may not even touch code who are curious yep. about this stuff uh, and have found an interest yep. can actually enter into the career of being a software developer, yep. whether it be web or iOS, mm-hmm. yep. instead of going through a two, three, four, five year long yeah. uh, undergraduate program or something of that yep. nature. So it's very much an accelerated uh, process, where, but they have to give up a lot of other things in their life mm-hmm. in order to, to take on this challenge because it's yep. not, A, it's not for necessarily everyone, yep. and B, it definitely takes a certain commitment um, yep. in terms of the focus, right? We're talking about a boot camp here, and what that word entails is essentially like 60 hour weeks. Yep. For ten weeks straight, yeah, I think six, six days a week has been like mismarketed since we threw it on computers. Cause yeah, like, like you yeah. think, and and now it's like Zumba boot camp or, or you know what I mean. But yeah, like yeah. boot camp back in the day when talking military, like yeah. that was some serious stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and you know, not we, we try we try all, right. we try of course yeah. to have the ethos of the boot camp. Yeah. But you, no extreme is good. Yeah. Is my personal philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, too relaxed of an education model is not yeah. good, and too intense of an education yeah. model can have its pitfalls. Yeah. Um, we can get into that. Yeah. Coming back to our mission, though, yeah. uh, our larger vision and our larger yeah. mission that we're executing yeah. on um, and have been executing on for a while is to help uh, people enter and continue developing as software developers yeah. in, in their communities. So while we started off with just the entering part, yeah. hey, you know, this is, the, this is the vehicle to become a software developer. We're now also focusing on not just that, but also continuing education, which I think is the, one of the biggest gaps uh, and not only technology, but generally our society, yeah. uh, when it comes to lifelong learning and continuing education, yeah. that's where our, our society hasn't really defined proper education and proper yeah. it's uh, like courses. Like you got the degree, here you go. Yeah, yeah, it's very much like front loaded. Yeah, right. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. upfront investment, and then good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and you could argue the same thing for boot camps, right? Yeah. Like when we started, it was you know that eight week program at the time, and yeah. uh, we obviously have a lot of things on the career services side yeah. to help kind of. Uh, people uh, into mm-hmm. their uh, into their first jobs as a software developer, yeah. but um, and and we provide a lot of support for alumni. But I think there's a lot more we could be doing, and we are starting yeah. to do. Uh, I think what you guys are to. doing already is pretty amazing. Like harnessing your years of experience in the industry. So obviously, you've probably built a circle of connections and of networks that know the kind of quality of students that you have, the graduates that you have, and therefore you're just allow you're able to help students find jobs and then also help the market find quality graduates. So it's really cool how you guys took both sides and, and were able to support both. And now you've got five years of that built up and there's like, that's, you can't what's, even What's put, the developer count, just approximately? Well, uh, in yeah. terms of our graduates? Yeah. Yeah, so I think we've run, and of course the number keeps changing, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but we've run approximately 75 bootcamp cohorts. Yeah. We have part-time courses that I'm not yeah. counting in there. Yeah. And you guys have um, a ridiculously high percentage of hires. Yeah, we're at uh, approximately 96%. I wanted you to say that. I think the world the should know that. 97, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of you know success mm-hmm. as uh, getting a you know, technical position, mm-hmm. a developer position after and graduating. Are you guys hands-on with every student or is that something that you provide if it's kind of requested from a student being like, no, I it's, need... No, it's a huge part of our education. Uh-huh. So taking a step back once again, yep. 
we don't believe that boot camp is a 10 week or 12 week or you know a mm-hmm. short journey of that nature to yeah. becoming a junior developer yeah one of our core principles that we talk about a lot is that boot camp is actually a six to 12 months journey to becoming a junior developer nice. so our graduates yes they are junior developers but they are junior developers in training mm-hmm. let's be honest they're taking a 10-week program and yeah. they may have not coded at all before yeah mm-hmm. uh, so we're very much not a like magic bullet yeah. uh, and we don't we're very careful in our admissions process to yeah. not let people in who think that that is the case yeah uh, there's there's a, at least a year then... yeah there's at least a six to twelve month journey before yeah. you can comfortably call yourself a junior mm-hmm. developer so the boot camp the part that you pay us for as a student is the structured part the part that we've kind of curated mm-hmm. in terms of the classroom environment yeah. trying to make it as real world as possible mm-hmm. and then there's the career services part and the employment your job yeah. where you know you continue to learn on the job mm-hmm. first with an internship usually that's a paid full-time internship, but with the, hope, with the hope and, and, and expectation yeah. that you're learning quite a yeah. bit for mm-hmm. those three to four yeah. months that you've, after you graduate, yeah. followed with a more of the full-time salary that you'd expect yeah. in the market. So there's a little bit of a transition, and actually we were the ones that, dare I say, and I haven't fact-checked this, but pioneered the idea of, no, no, after you graduate, don't request a just a junior level salary. Go through an intermediate process of an apprenticeship, essentially, mm-hmm. where you're actually taking on less salary, so mm-hmm. that your expectations with the employer that you are ex- expecting more mentorship, yeah. uh, if, you know, where possible. Yeah. It's not always possible with every yeah, startup yeah, that you join, yeah. uh, and we have workarounds for that. But yeah. uh, mm-hmm. again, it's a six to twelve month journey uh, for bootcamp, whether it's our iOS yeah. bootcamp or, or our uh, web bootcamp. Yeah, and I, and I think you know, from from my standpoint, just looking, you know, from the launch academy side, one one big success factor. I think I think we can go into numbers all day long, but to me, one of the indicators of success was your own staff started taking the program. Yeah, that's and, happened quite a bit, eh? And, 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 and you know, your, your programs keep stealing your staff, which, which is an interesting problem, but it's also proving that, that your product works, right? Because yeah. it's like, it's not just life-changing for people you're, you know, marketing to, selling to. It's people who actually believe in this so much that they're going to quit working with you so they can learn how to code, which is, this is a very interesting problem. Um, Wait, but, has that happened before? Oh, multiple times. That's uh, hilarious. We, times. you know, it's a, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Where, we, <laughs> but you know, we do believe in our staff that yeah. they are they're, You know, this is a. It's all about learning, right? It's all yeah. about stepping stones, mm-hmm. and so uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously when it comes to. Yeah. Okay, we understand that after a year yeah, or two years with us, the growing, yeah. you're looking at potentially how am I growing within the company or, or elsewhere, mm-hmm. and of course, being exposed to the success of our students here in the program. Yeah. Our, mm-hmm. We've had community managers, and actually yep. now our education manager just recently announced to the students that uh, she'll be, you know, leaving us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's the, what? And the whole room went wild when she was like, "Yeah, and I'm taking boot camp." Um, <laughs> and they were super. They were making fun of her, yeah. and also like super supportive at the same time yeah. because That's so cool. she's actually the perfect personality for yeah. it as well. And so it's happened. I think about, mm-hmm. I think about four or five times already. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and I think that's that's a key thing about, about startups too. I think that is under under talked about, especially when you know you're first starting out. And you, you're free, in your case, you had four guys, so that was already quite a bit in terms of a founding team. Um, but smaller startups, they're very careful and intricate with their first hires. And in those people, dare I say, it, they'll usually wear multiple hats. They're they're not just like mm-hmm. I'm a pure salesman or I'm a pure coder and that's it. I don't care about the product or, or whatever. Um, but the, the, the underlying issue with that is, is as you know, that company grows and, and that person finds success, there's a definitely, I don't know the numbers either, there's a higher percentage of those people getting that itch and going, I'm going to go do my own thing, you know, that too. And, mm-hmm. and that's actually very healthy for, for starts in my opinion, because that's, that's just the normal progression. You want, you want to hire hustlers, you want to hire go-getters, eventually they're going to wake up one day and be like, it's cool that I, I hustled for you, but mm-hmm. now it's my turn. Right, and that I've seen that happen time and time again, and 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 you, and frankly, those people that have you know worked as you know your first employee or whatever, and they go and start their own thing, their success track record is they're just much more reasonable and realistic with their expectations. They know it's a grind. They've seen the work. They've done the work, yeah. um, and they decided to do it anyway. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so like that, I think having that mentality for for your staff is is really good actually. Yeah, because it's not it, it's very realistic like. Like I, yeah. I look at Ray's founding team. Like Alex is now doing his own thing, right? Like yeah. mm-hmm. all the other guys. I can I can keep going down the list. Hussein does his own thing. Um, I feel like for Launch Academy too, it's a 
very high risk environment for your employees, I believe, because we surround ourselves with really cool startups all the time. And I could, I mean, I've only been around for We're a year. We're <laughs> But it's like how, you know, like how working for Ray, I imagine the stress of like building a team and knowing that they're going to be exposed to like all these other startups that are probably going to try to poach them. Yep. It's like that's building a culture. But he's done pretty well at maintaining a trust. core team based and building. Trust. Based on trust, yeah. that, you know, trust not just that not trust. I don't mean trust that you won't leave us. Yeah. That's the yeah. wrong type of trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's the trust that we will discuss. Yeah. Your, and we'll mm-hmm. from day one, uh, beyond, and not just yeah. until you stop mm-hmm. working officially for the yeah. company. Yeah. Is there? There's a personal trust between mm-hmm. our staff and our founding team and our yeah. leadership team. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about like growth and mm-hmm. and just honesty. Yeah. Our, our staff actually like I. Th- I I imagine it's more than the standard, which is that our staff gives give us generally when they decide that they're going to go mm-hmm. on to something else, uh, they give us generally around twelve to six six to twelve months notice. Wow! Um, so we already knew with the, the transitions that we just kind mm-hmm. of uh, outlined. We already knew six to twelve months in advance that, that this they is were happening. like so yeah. sort of almost yeah. starting. Yeah. Hey, I'm thinking yeah. about using looking at bootcamp. is not something they tell us a month in advance. It's mm-hmm. like six to twelve months in yeah. advance. Let's uh, talk a little bit about your culture, because I mean, I see it from an outsider. Because I'm, if for I mean, all barely, of you guys who don't know, I have my desk is like facing the Lighthouse Lab staff area. Right. So I see the constant dynamic. You have to, you have to put up with our loudness Lab. and our, our, our there chaos. There is well, laughter, <laughs> there is banjo playing, ukulele, cakes every day. Um, no, cakes desks. every day is us. They eat all types of food. Desks getting Are you covered me? in. Vicky is always bringing all these crazy cakes, and then there's desks covered in foil. That just happened, yeah. Pranks being pulled, birthdays being celebrated. How have you done so far at replicating that amazing culture? Like While still getting in? work done. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. It, so how do you? Yeah. T- tell us a little bit more about your culture, and then, and tell us about that transition of like establishing that in Toronto. Yeah, um, it's definitely been. Listen, this is not something I've done ten times before. Um, so when it <laughs> comes it to <laughs> when it comes to successful startups, you know, I can count mine in one hand, and it's a pretty small number. Um, so I'm not trying to be an authority here in any yeah. way. It's just my mm-hmm. opinions. But um, you know, Sam said something uh, that really resonates with me, which is that the staff are, are, you know, what you alluded to is that the staff are a big key to culture. Yep. Right, and it's all about hiring the right staff, especially at the beginning when stakes are high and the risk is high. But then also to continue that trend forward. Um, so I think, given given that our business is very much a people-oriented business, our education is all in person. Mm-hmm. We don't offer online courses, mm-hmm. right? And we don't intend to. Our goal is very much to marry the curriculum with the in-person experience. Cool. So hiring the right staff that motivate each other, but also are where students want to be. Well, something we identified right at the beginning is that something is something we have to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we took our recruitment process seriously. You know, our, Remy, our GM, whose table was covered in aluminum foil, when, when he got back after a week in, with leadership offsite meetings, uh, <laughs> he went through seven or eight different interviews uh, with different staff before he was brought on about a year wow. ago. Wow. And that's not an anomaly. That's pretty normal for especially mm-hmm. those critical roles education mm-hmm. managers that are responsible for the success of students mm-hmm. general managers like Remy who are responsible for managing the entire staff the yeah. entire that's and, and culture mm-hmm. you know that kind of culture is gonna is gonna we want to make sure we hire the right person there because they're gonna bring the right culture to the team and the right mindset to the team yeah. and of course there have been mistakes along the way yep. right but being completely honest with our staff about where things are at yeah. not being afraid to say this isn't working mm-hmm. and, and coaching and my co-founder Jeremy uh, who we have yet to talk about uh, has been a, 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 amazing one of the, the biggest reasons why Lighthouse has been successful is that he is, in my opinion, a great coach, especially of juniors that have joined our company, uh, but also of the leaders that have joined our company in, giving, in setting the right culture. I'd like to take credit for it, but I think he takes a, a bigger chunk of that credit yeah. in terms of setting the culture in the company uh, amongst the staff and in, in helping mm-hmm. hire the right people. Mm-hmm. So uh, is there know. something you guys look for specifically? Like, I'm not talking like hard skills, but more like traits or indicators that like, this person could be the right fit for a team. Is like, is there a certain attribute or something that you, know, you would find consistent in most of your staff? We talk about grit a lot in our company. And we talk about growth mindset a lot in our company. So those are the two things that we talk with students about mm-hmm. before they even start the program, in the admissions yeah. process, in the prep course that they have to yeah. do before they start boot camp, for example. And the same is true for our staff. Yeah. Uh, we want staff that are gritty. Uh, yeah. When it comes to, and th- when I speak to, when I'm talking about staff here, I mean the exact same in how we look and when we do our hour-long admissions process for our yeah. boot camps for students. Uh, we want to put them in a 
or, or learn from their stressful experiences how they handled them. Mm-hmm. Um, are they always looking at themselves and what they could have improved when they're looking at situations yeah. that didn't go uh, in, in the best possible yeah. way? Or do they point a finger and say, that was the problem, my manager was the problem, and so on, and this is how I dealt with it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with grit, it's really about uh, dedication to a particular thing, which is exactly what boot camp yeah. is, yeah. instead of, hey, I like to do a bunch of everything, Yeah. right? That's also good, but for a certain period in your life, um, when you're trying to accomplish a certain mission, yeah. that grit is really important. Yeah. And so, is that what you look for in your admissions field as well? That's or? one of the biggest uh, things that are non-technical that we look at our look during our student admissions yeah. process. Yeah, because that that is one of the things I wanted to ask you is 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 I think one of the biggest biggest questions that you know, frankly, startups have for us is how do I know I'm hiring the right development talent? Um, and you said something earlier that kind of caught my attention, which is like you first that you have an admissions process. It's not just whoever hands you a bunch of money, you're gonna you're gonna accept them as a student. And I think that's a key part of how you maintain your ninety six percent. It's not just whatever. Um, but but also like what are what are the attributes of of a a team player that's a, with a development background is I guess what I'm trying to say because there are lots of founders that aren't technical there they have hustle they but you know when it comes to you know i'm sitting across from a potential candidate across the table frankly it's like okay you know c plus plus i look at your resume it says you do i can't say otherwise i guess here we go right so so what are some tips that you can kind of give those kind of people in terms of hiring in terms of hiring technical both both culture and and traits and and things that you know you would recommend for for companies yeah, that's uh, I mean, I've that's a loaded question. No, no, uh, I love that question. I mean, I've given previously, I've given talks yeah. uh, around hiring deaf talent. Uh, I have a lot of opinions in that matter. Yeah, um, keep me under check if I go a little bit too. For deep. sure. Um, that's why we cut out with the fork, man. That's how it is. <laughs> um, and as as somebody who's played the role of a quote unquote CTO or yep. a dev developer lead, yep. or manager in various different companies, my own and others, I've I've interviewed. In terms of developer talent to hire, yeah. I think I've interviewed, I haven't done an official count, but I think it's in the 300 plus yeah. developers to work with me in one of my companies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at, at Lighthouse, we have uh, approximately 100 active teachers right now mm-hmm. across Canada. Yeah. Uh, so that's Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, and various other cities, across six different cities. Yeah. Um, so many of the, the 300 that I'm mentioning mm-hmm. were actually developers hired as teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still being assessed technically and looking at their yeah. mindset. Um, and then prior to that, mm-hmm. and even during this time, yeah. looking to hire them for dev roles as well. Yeah. And I think that the, the, the things we look for, everybody should be looking for. Yeah. Uh, and it's very easy to lose sight, sight of, of like exactly what do I need, especially when you don't have the technical skills yourself as the interviewer. Yeah. Yeah. How do you go about Yeah. How do you go about interviewing technical talent? That might be a future, especially at a startup mm-hmm. stage, that might be your CTO one day. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. that might be a senior developer in your team. Yeah. Right. Um, so for me, I come back to the two things that we really, really that I personally think for myself that I self-realized that uh, that are really important in developers or just people in general. Yeah. A pursuit of lifelong learning is a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they're kind of related. Pursuit of lifelong learning and openness and not fear of change. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things in terms of personality mm-hmm. that I want to check off right off the bat on someone. Mm-hmm. They're not technical, yeah. but they're really, really important in your technical staff yeah. because the software world, this is why our education isn't four years long. This is why I have a beef with <laughs> yeah. my personal education, which was a computer science program. Yeah. Cause you didn't learn Swift. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's, there's the language piece, but there's yeah. the fact that the industry is constantly changing and yes, you can point to software and technology as one, but it's not the only one. Mm-hmm. And it, it may be one of the first few, but other industries are going to go through the same transformation of, whoa, stuff is changing really fast, either because of technology or because of other reasons, yeah. right? Because of societal reasons. And so what you really want to be looking for in people is how adaptive are they to change? And how, what are they doing to pursue lifelong learning? Like what have they really done in their life outside of their careers, outside of their jobs? In, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, in the kind of the holistic yeah, approach to their that desire to journey. grow. Yeah. yeah. You know, no, no, that's, that's super key. So I, I know I that didn't answer your question from a technical perspective, yeah. but I think it's that if I go as directly into a technical a- answer, then it emphasizes that more than this. And yeah. I think this is more important. Yeah. Okay. 
And especially it, if they're going to be a leader in your space. Yeah. yeah. If especially if they're going to be setting the culture for other developers or yeah. h- helping you hire other developers. Yeah. Right. So if they have that mindset yeah. and you trust them to be the technical person, once you've done mm-hmm. that due diligence, mm-hmm. then they're going to also, you can, you can leave the technical yeah. diligence to them, but hoping that you've hired the right personality from the lifelong learning mm-hmm. standpoint, yeah. you've now set that tone as well. And that's one of the, you know, you asked me about our staff and our culture again, mm-hmm. same yeah. thing that we applied in our program and in our company. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. And, and I mean, I've talked, um, you're not the only person I've talked about this. Like I've chatted with uh, Wilkins from the thinking ape nice. and they, they have a similar it's not exactly the same, but his answer to me was, we just want to hire really, really smart people. And it, it sounds sarcastic. It's like, who, do, who wants to hire an idiot, right? But, yeah. but I think what, what he means, really yeah, right? like what, what he really kind of means by that is, is, is you know, technical background, of course, they, they look at that, but they don't hire going like, we need, we need a, a Swift developer. So like, that's what we go and get. If they're really yeah, smart, I think this is a common yeah, if they're really smart, they're going to learn and adapt swift and that's where you come in with you know being being open to change right like if someone's sitting here going like i only coded for android apps and i'm not i'm never going to do an ios app that's pretty unattractive i guess to them and to you guys too um one of our one of our biggest sayings that we say to students and our staff and ourselves is be comfortable being uncomfortable and again that ties back to the constant change in lifelong learning you know, you're somebody that actually loves the idea of being uncomfortable and constantly yep. being on your toes and mm. not knowing necessarily the answer, but knowing that you can get the answer because yep. that is the definition of a good developer. Mm-hmm. That's the definition of a good staff member, coincidentally. Yeah. And so both of those, a lot of our, what we, what we preach to our students, for lack of a better word, is what we also look for in our staff. Right? That's awesome. Which is why you see a lot of our staff taking our bootcamp, for example. Yeah, because cool. they fit right into that culture. And, and just to touch on this slightly, because I, I know we could go on for hours about this, but just generally speaking, where are your thoughts on where, where post-secondary education fits in, where things like boot camps fit in, and how does that kind of, what does it, what does it look like in terms of just the landscape? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our program is, um, is not a one-size-fits it solves all problems. And I don't mm-hmm. think any, as a person who is a head of education and thinks about education and, and you know, both from a philosophy and implementation yep. standpoint, I don't believe that one size, our program is great for all situations. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. and the same is true for university and, and colleges. Um, there's definitely a, a right um, approach and a right audience yep. um, based on their life situation yep. to go through a computer science or similar like an engineering program if they were to potentially become a developer. Yeah. Right. And for us, uh, it, you know, a lot of the students that come to us are some, sometimes they are high school students, yeah. uh, but that's an, I would say an outlier. Uh, yeah. A majority of our students are people that are actually lifelong learners who mm-hmm. have already gone through a undergraduate yeah. or potentially beyond like a master's yeah. or PhD program. Yeah. You know, we've had PhD of physics take our program. We've had neuroscientists take our program, but we've also had, as I mentioned, like very young kind of in university or pre-university students take our program. The majority though are career changers. So that's where we really fit into the mold is, okay, I've already done a lot of education and I have a great background in finance or health, you know, or Mm -hmm. psychology or Mm -hmm. winemaking. Like we've had, you can name any single profession. We've had them take our program. That's really awesome. Yeah. And what's really cool is that, and I envy our students because mm-hmm. I came from a traditional computer science background, yeah. right? My family was very traditional and pushing me towards like, okay, you're going to like graduate yeah. high school. You're going to go to university. You're going to get a job right after. And that's exactly yeah. the kind of path I followed. And I'm envious of our students because they took a very, they're coming from a, let's say a poli sci background yeah. with a breadth of knowledge that I don't have about how our society yeah. works and how politics work, for example. Yeah. And then they're bringing in the software knowledge that mm-hmm. I took four or five years to get and they're getting most of that in a yeah. short time span, at least yeah. the relevance of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're able to merge the two and potentially yeah. go work for a company that may be reforming our politics, our, yeah. our political mm-hmm. landscape using software and technology. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. using technology like blockchain or whatever it may be. That's yeah. why people right? say tech industry is kind of a funny thing to <laughs> imagine because tech is an industry. Because we all type through exams on computers. It's so. like tech is in every industry in, and it's about to get more and more yeah. infiltrated into yeah. absolutely every industry. That's a really good way to yeah. put it. Yeah. So you're now able to yeah merge both. Like if yeah. you've got a degree in neuroscience and you've got a yeah. degree in, in health and care, whatever, then yeah, tech is going into those industries more than ever. Yeah. So, so to make it really personal, let's say you have a son or daughter, it doesn't, doesn't matter they're they're graduating high school um would and they might be interested in in coding 
What, what would you advise them to do? And, and I understand that it depends on the personalities and... Yeah, I mean, there's no one right answer again, <laughs> yeah, for but sure. uh, we'll have to make some assumptions to be able to yeah, answer yeah, that yeah. question. Um, make them do a double major. <laughs> I, I, I really, yeah, I do, I do struggle with, you know, at a macro level, yeah. how our society is structured in terms of the education yeah. journey. Yeah. Right? The, the growth is very much, like I said earlier, front-loaded with yep. these university programs. Yeah. Uh, and the problem with that is, is it actually doesn't, when we talked about lifelong learning and change, yeah. I think all, all of us on the table agree that yeah. the education system, I, I saw nods, doesn't really accommodate that. Yeah. yeah. Right? And that's the one problem that, that's the problem that Lighthouse Labs is trying to solve, at least in the developer landscape. Right? We can't solve this for everybody. We're, we're still a, a reasonably small company, yeah. mm-hmm. but we're starting to look at that with developers yeah. and then maybe one day we'll look at that for other uh, yeah. but my hope is that other people will look at this <laughs> as well yeah. so yeah you have colleges and universities saying like yeah take this program pay this much money get student debt in an industry if we're picking computer science as yeah. your question yeah. is which is constantly changing by the yeah. time I started and finished university so much had changed in mm. computer science in, yeah. in the technology industry my degree is at completely useless <laughs> useless I have a major marketing from McGill, mm-hmm. and so good party school, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. It, it's so funny. We're so stressed because out. Shadi and I are so different when it comes to to our schooling. So I went to SFU, she went to McGill. She studied yeah, marketing. Yeah, this is I funny. We should do this this comparison. Um, so so I'm a, I was a terrible and am I recently took a course <laughs> and was terrible in that. Um, a terrible student because I, I need goals to accomplish it. And, and I had good grades going into university, but because my, I knew my goal was getting into university. Once I got into university, I was like, what What's is my the, goal? What is the lowest amount of work I can do to get this degree? I literally did the MVP of school. <laughs> that was my mentality in year one. Once I realized like I couldn't- An entrepreneur, you were an entrepreneur from the get-go, eh? Not, not so much <laughs> entrepreneur, but I just, I wasn't- A lean startup entrepreneur. Yeah, I wasn't interested in mm-hmm. In, in you know vanity stats which is you know I have I have honor roll or something I didn't know and this is probably a mistake looking back is that like you know you could do well enough in school so you don't need that part-time job or, or, or whatever like scholarships and things like that, that would have been a nice goal to have right? yeah yeah um, I made the same mistake when it comes to like yeah, not, not apply yeah. not not really hacking the the exactly. financial side of it exactly so I'm not really, I'm not really suggesting that mm-hmm. no you shouldn't study or, or so on and so forth but but that's just that was you know me in university mm-hmm um shot it and then across me is the other extreme so we we talked about this and we compared <laughs> our experiences and i was the complete opposite where i was like the student who did absolutely everything did all the readings all the projects even the stuff that wasn't graded because you ever thought of being a dev you know? <laughs> no. i didn't even buy the like, book so like i did i did every reading i did every project and when it wasn't graded i thought this is probably gonna it's meant to be here for a reason to help me get better at something that will be graded. So I do it anyways. And I had no ability to prioritize. Like everything was like the most important. And so I like worked so hard and tried so hard and my put a lot of importance in my GPA. And when people warned me, some people said your GPA doesn't matter when you go out and you try to get a job, no one's gonna look at your GPA. And I'm like, that's a lie. That's a trick. You're tricking me. That's not true. Some people do. And I, Some like, people do. And I didn't believe them. And anyways, I worked my butt off. Like, I was ultra keener. And I graduated with a BCom major in marketing and a minor in HR with a 3.7 GPA. That's amazing. And I was like... And now she <laughs> hangs out with Sam <laughs> on this podcast. No wonder so, you like marathons. I was so proud of it. And then when I went out into the real world, I, A, realized that my degree was useless... B realized that nobody gave a shit about my GPA. And like the only thing that mattered was McGill on my CV. So you could have gotten like, a general studies degree is So I could have I could have just Ultimately, chilled think, yeah. and and just floated above academic so I, I, dis- I, dis- I disagree with that. I'll just <laughs> say that. Like I think yeah. what you showed though was yeah. that word that I just said earlier, which is great. Right. Sam has no credit. I think I, th- I think university, like the software engineers that I respect, equally, if not more, yeah. are the ones that didn't necessarily have a computer science formal yeah. education, but they did still do what you mm-hmm. probably they still did what you were talking about, which is yeah. still work their ass off. If I don't, if I can use that word yeah. on the air, um, yeah. during university, yeah. to just show themselves and set the like habit. Mm-hmm. of like I'm gonna push through this yep. whether I like it or not yeah and I mean so yeah. a lot of it was that for sure like when I was going through school I had really supportive parents that said you don't have to graduate like we don't care like we just want you to do you yeah. 
and I had thoughts of it. I was like, is school right for me? Yeah. Um, and I always, the only the reason I really pushed me through, I was like, I'm going to finish what I started. Like, that was my mentality. Yeah. Even if I didn't, wasn't sure if marketing was what I wanted to do. And even now that I'm entering the workforce and I've been working in a few different yeah. areas, I realized more and more that marketing is less and less what I want to do, which is crazy because yeah. that's what I invested four years of my life in. But looking back at how it was structured and what I learned, I think that there's a lot wrong with how our education system is yep. and it's really not practical. It's like, yep. you, it's not something that you can implement right away. It's not up to date. Like with marketing, how in the world did I graduate with a major in marketing knowing F all about digital marketing? How? Yeah, you yeah. know, I, there's definitely uh, things I can point to in the computer science world. The same thing, like you don't, so yeah. you know, you don't necessarily touch code as much as you should be yeah. in university. Yeah, I think it comes down to expectations, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think what a lot of us, when we applied in high school, yeah. you know, we checked off the six uh, ranked universities for us. What's yeah. our number one choice and what's our number six choice mm -hmm. or whatever, is we were told by our guidance counselors and others, or we were implied to, that this is a vocational thing. Yeah, but universities, not most programs aren't vocational. They're not actually about getting what a job. job. Now, there's a little bit of like, I think we're kind of in a transitioning period mm -hmm. in society where universities are having a little bit of an identity crisis, yeah. trying to figure out what part of it is your know, vocational and what part of it is academic and about your personal growth, mm -hmm. yeah. your network, your confidence in self, growing up as a person, you know, studying yeah. something in the grit side, yeah. whether directly or indirectly. A lot of that skill that you learned in university and the same for me was necessary. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there's also that expectation. If you had gone in with that expectation, maybe mm -hmm. you would have not been as yeah. disenfranchised yeah. about yeah. your university experience. Yeah. So that's one thing that we've been very conscious yeah. about in terms of setting expectations mm -hmm. with our students for that sure. come yeah. in, right? And I mean, for me, when I was in college, I was definitely very like, yeah, college is useless, university is useless, you're not actually getting the practical skills. And it's, it's really funny because like, you know, now I'm a little bit more aged. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I've actually flip-flopped on this and I mean I mentor high school students and for the majority of them I am telling them to go to some post-secondary thing and, and here's the key thing yeah I agree um, with that I, I think I think the main thing is is, is, is right you're setting expectations exactly. I think you're, yeah. if you go in and you're expecting to get job B coming out of it you'd be better off with, with a boot camp of X. Pick the yeah. topic, and yeah. maybe it was marketing for you. Yeah. Pick the topic at the time yeah. that you are really interested in learning, yeah. unfortunately, for the next four or five years mm -hmm. due to the structure of this. Yeah. And that's okay. It's yeah. not terrible. Yeah. Um, don't worry about what job you get out of the end. Yeah. That's at least mm -hmm. my philosophy. Yeah. It could be a philosophy degree. Because if we've yeah. learned anything, is that, yeah. it, that like you can have this whatever degree and end up doing something completely yeah. different. And that's the amazing Unless part. Unless you're like yeah. a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, an engineer where you need those actual, you know, skills to yeah. do that job. But even then you can use that and go in a whole different career. Yep. But, but I, it's a, yeah. but it's a safety net is what I'm trying to get at. It's, it is it's, a safety it's, net. It's an expensive. There's safety. a practical side to it. Of course. It's expensive, as well. but, but if you can afford it, 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 you're free to try. I think, I think the joke of it all is I can walk around saying like, I'm a student and people will be, there's no judgment or whatever. Yeah. If I'm not a student of same age, same person, I go and I'm like, I'm unemployed, I'm just hanging out. It's different, right? So so you kind of get a pass by seeing like, okay, I'm a student, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And you know, for the, for the I'd say it's less than 1%, that's just Steve Jobs of the world, who who knew exactly what he was at probably like age 18 or whatever the heck he, he was mm -hmm. coming out of high school. Like those people knew what they were doing and that's why we get these famous startup stories of people dropping out or whatever. For yeah. everybody else, they think they know what they want, but they haven't experienced anything, right? Like, how do you know you want to, you 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 want to do business development for a startup when you've never sold a single thing in your life, yeah. right? Like, whether it's part of your school program or you've got a part-time job, like whatever it is, yeah. Like you you mm -hmm. haven't experienced enough things, and and yeah. university again, being practical, like if if it's affordable, is a safety net for you to actually go and experience those yeah. things. So I didn't learn, like. Practicals. I didn't learn about how to blog or how to write in university, but I learned things like I learned how to be an adult. I learned how to prioritize. Yep. Like when I have three papers due at the same time, and because I was an idiot and didn't do it before and plan well, now I have a decision: which one of these three papers am I going to do? Right? Um, <laughs> am I going to do half of each and then maybe pass one, um, or am I just going to go full throttle? I give up on these other two. Like those are decisions that students, you know, in my case, bad students. Yeah have to learn how to make. And yeah. and I think the number one thing I need at my job now, like we me and Shadi talk about it weekly, is prioritization. 
right? Like we, we have 18 fires, which one are you going to save first? Mm -hmm. And which one are you best at saving first? And which ones, you know, we have to delegate and things like that. Like that to me was a skill I had to learn because I had to screw up 18,000 times in school. Yeah. Which, you know, if I screwed There's up definitely here, those, those transfers. Oh, if I screwed up here, I'd be yeah. fired 18 times. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hands down. I, I definitely agree with that. You learn how to, yeah. The, you learn how to learn pretty much like that's, that's a big part of, of what we yeah. focus on as well mm -hmm. right it's that's the part that we share with these uh, universities mm -hmm. is not only you're not here i think a lot of uh, misconception with boot camps yep. is and it makes me cringe uh, even today uh, but especially when we started is we were referred to as a rails boot camp or a ruby boot camp which was very much focused on the technology the language yep. or the framework mm -hmm. that you'd learn and i would always say to people no 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 we're a like we're a web development boot camp we're yeah. still like very specific. You're coming here to learn mm -hmm. web development. We're now doing iOS. We, we started with yeah. iOS in 2014. So we were web and iOS development bootcamp. Yeah. You know, that particular program is not about learning specific tools or languages. You're learning how to learn those because in our industry, mm -hmm. that stuff changes constantly. Yeah. yeah. Our students that we graduated, you know, either last year or recently don't necessarily go out and aren't currently working necessarily with the exact same languages, whether it be mm -hmm. JavaScript or yeah. Ruby or yeah. HTML, CSS or Swift or Objective-C. Yep. They're not necessarily using those languages on the job. One of the weeks in the tail end of the program is very much dedicated to actually throwing them in the deep end yep. when they're, they're a little bit more ready for it yep. and giving them not only a different language, a different framework, yep. but also like existing code base, which is more of the real world, mm -hmm. to simulate as much as, po as, much as possible yep. of that like jumping into like a freezing cold water, yep. which is your first job, mm -hmm. yep. and feeling overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and trying to achieve results at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you're learning and trying to achieve results, you know, with an existing code base that you've never seen before. It's like this product that a company, fictitious company already owns. Um, and so you have to kind of really adapt. And yeah. that's really what Bootcamp prepares you for. Yeah. That's really what a good developer, when you talk about, and I, again, circling yeah. back to yeah. what to look for in a developer, that's why we do those things is because yeah. we, look, we value that versus, you know, yes, that week uses Rails as a technology and we teach with Rails. Yeah. But it's not the goal of that week isn't to learn Rails. It's to learn those things with Rails mm -hmm. as just a vehicle. Oh, that right? makes a ton of sense. Yeah. No, but, you know, uh, coming back to the university uh, and, uh, and what would I tell my kids? I mean, I, I was lucky in that at the age of like eight, I think, or ten, I had my, my parents bought me a computer. And this wasn't even in Canada. This is in Pakistan. I was dealing with pre-Pentium computers, just playing video games. Uh, my, my parents encouraged me to get into community. Yeah, MS-DOS. My parents encouraged me to... Uh, do some uh, community work and I ended up teaching adults oh, wow. how to do word processing and a little that's bit of programming crazy. on As the computer. As that's awesome. Right? That's crazy. And, uh, and same thing in high school, same thing in university. Always became a TA. So I think I discovered my passion, the two passions that I have today that I've mm -hmm. kind of brought together at Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. Those are programming and solving problems with code. And teaching. And teaching. Mm -hmm. And education, basically. Yeah. So um, awesome. I'm very lucky in that mm -hmm. I didn't have the oh, what am I doing for university? I knew exactly from like high school, if not yeah. earlier, that I was going to get into software and, and uh, yeah. software programming. And, I, um, and I, I knew in the back of my mind that I, I thought that I would get into education at a much later point in my life. You know, yeah. again, that traditional mindset of yeah. I'll work a lot in the industry and then I'll retire as a part-time professor somewhere. Those yeah. who no longer do teach. <laughs> right? But yeah. I was really lucky in being exposed. I didn't come up with the boot camp model and actually being exposed to another boot camp, working with them in Toronto, yeah. the first one in Canada, actually. And a lot of lessons that I learned and brought to Lighthouse were lessons of successes and failures that they had, like the goods yeah. and the bads yeah. of what they did. Mm -hmm. I brought and executed, in my opinion, better yeah in Vancouver and beyond, right? And from there, next year, we started, we expanded back to Toronto. And, yeah, because and, and you're one of the stories that came from Toronto, went back. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and Montreal now as well nice, as one of our nice. major cities. So, so really so happy with that. For, for you guys, like, are there any fun, not, I guess not fundamental differences, but like you offer the similar programs in, in here, Toronto, I guess now Montreal. Um, what are the differences like that you've seen, you know, you, you see both sides and, and now you're, you're tapping into Montreal as well, but like, what are the differences in, in, in how people work, culture, or mm -hmm. are there any differences? And even in like the, the market, like what's yeah. the demand for, for junior developers between all those cities? Like how do you see it 
growing and changing and what are the differences? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been through so many different cities in, in Canada, not just the major ones that you've just listed, but, you know, our first satellite campus was actually in the Yukon. Which is <laughs> um, so cool, yeah. Uh, it was really cool visiting the Yukon and, yeah. and launching a pilot of our satellite, which is like I essentially a, a remote cohort yeah. being live streamed to, as yeah. well as having local mentors available. It's something that we started with um, in 2015 yeah. uh, in, the, uh, in the Yukon. Yep. Um, but then brought to Calgary, brought to Victoria, Halifax, you know, Montreal, which is now becoming yep. a more, you know, uh, bigger campus. Yeah. Um, in terms of the difference in the markets, yeah, it's, it's very different, actually, not just because of the size. You know, Vancouver, for example, has much still has that village feel, more of the big city feel, mm-hmm. uh, where it's, it's actually easier than, you know, than the New Yorks or the Torontos mm-hmm. of the world to be able to make the connections with people. Uh, to have to get references from one person to the yep. other where everybody's kind of got your back and everybody's kind of working together. Mm-hmm. Toronto's a lot more of the hustle. Mm-hmm. The uh, There's a lot more of the financial background. So a lot of our students end up working at, um, not a lot, but more so than Vancouver, students will end up graduating yeah. and working as developers in, in financial companies. Yeah, in fintech. Uh, fintech, mm-hmm. for example, right? Um, Vancouver has a lot more of the holistic lifestyle companies. Mm-hmm. Not lifestyle companies in terms of how they're run, yeah. but that their pursuit is often about wellness, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Services. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's really cool to see that uh, diversity across Canada. Yeah. Uh, I don't think every country can speak to it in the way that mm-hmm. we can. I think yeah. I'm pretty lucky that we are focused on Canada and that yeah. we, mm-hmm. we have essentially lived our adult lives here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, you know, if you look at a city like Calgary, for example, yeah. a city that's been um, branded, I guess, as very much focused on natural resources and oil. Yeah. But we've had a great success there in terms of other types of startups as well. Yeah, Um, definitely. I've talked to a few people about Calgary and Alberta in general, kind of growing into the tech scene now, because Alberta has the best provincial funding of Canada in terms of grants Mm. and tax credits and that support innovation in all shapes and forms, like like actual physical hardware and, and tech. So it's cool because they've got lots of support and people are now starting to figure that out and they want that to evolve and they want it to merge with their oil and gas industries to yeah. find out more efficient and green ways to kind of operate. Just yeah, like universities, booming. right? Cities have mm-hmm. their focus, but they also provide a lot of other things from a yeah. holistic perspective. Montreal, if we were to talk about another example, is very much doing really well on the uh, AI front, AI right? Center, yeah. So mm-hmm. with Facebook, with Element AI and mm-hmm. companies of that nature. Um, are, are really fueling that growth. But at the same time, there's going to be fintech companies and healthcare companies and, and yeah. those types of startups um, yeah. in, in all aspects of Canada, right? I think what's also happening is a lot of North American, so uh, you know, companies from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, raising money in the financial capitals, right? So the, the West Coast or the East Coast, so San Francisco or New York, and then actually executing their startups in Canada. Yeah, It's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it's bringing the reverse, it's kind of reversing the brain drain in a way mm-hmm. that we've had with our senior developers. A big problem in Canada is our senior developers leaving to work for companies in, yeah. in other geographical locations where it's more lucrative, like the U.S. Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of a backwards action on that now, At especially with the startup visa program. We're, yeah. we're getting some interest from U.S. companies wanting to move to Canada or yeah. wanting to just start in Canada. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's crazy. Cool. But for us, you know, one of the others, if you don't mind me yeah, rambling for further, um, <laughs> What we want to really see in Canada is not just, you're talking about markets, mm-hmm. not just uh, more and more junior developers entering the market. Yep. Of course, it's good to have junior developers enter the market because without them, you're not going to have the intermediates and seniors. <laughs> yes. You know, we, many yeah. of our grads from two, three, four years ago are now in the, inter- could be labeled as yeah. intermediates, potentially seniors, depending yeah, on how you label that. that funnel, yeah. But even just that idea of like labeling intermediates and seniors is something we're now like tackling. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, what constitutes an intermediate developer? What constitutes a senior developer? Like, people don't really have a good language or a good definition yeah. for how to define that. And I think Lighthouse Labs is in a great place, given that we've been yeah. working with industry, with so many community partners, with so many employers that work with mm-hmm. our career services department for them to get quarterbacked into jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've worked with so many of those employers, we constantly speak with them. Let's figure out a, what, what else can Lighthouse do mm-hmm. in terms of that whole journey? You yeah. know, if it's just a boot camp, then again, it has the same problem yeah. of, okay, we're just there for the beginning. So you're saying and then it's like up to the employers how to, to really help people get from junior to, to intermediate, intermediate and to senior. But before we even, while we do that, mm-hmm. while we try to solve that, we should also just look at it from a, like, take a step back and understand what 
constitutes a good intermediate and what constitutes a good senior. And so those are a lot of the conversations yeah. we're having internally those and with our lot. partners. That's great. Yeah. Right? Because the programs that we've just recently launched, we didn't get a chance to talk about those. By the way, you asked me a question about how many people we graduated. I never answered. I said 75 cohorts. 30 students per? Uh, no, not that high. No, that would be that would be one of the lessons I learned <laughs> not to do. Um, but I think we are above a thousand um, junior, de- oh, like wow. people that have graduated our programs yeah. and now oh. working as junior developers across Canada. Mm. Yeah. Um, so in five years, that's quite an accomplishment. I guess that yeah. averages out to what two hundred. Like you said, a that's year? a lot of data right there. Like that's a lot of like ten thousand people. You hopefully can reach back out to to get their feel and a get get a better understanding on well, what's the cool journey. Is, like the people that graduated your first cohort, if they're still in the field are now five years experienced developers. It's, like it's, it's, it's interesting because yeah. at that point, somebody would have entered a computer science, five-year computer science degree. Yeah. And to compare somebody that took our program five years ago and worked and in industry, right into the industry yeah. compared to somebody who has now graduated from, let's say, mm-hmm. University of Guelph, where I went, or Waterloo, or whatever, yeah. after five years. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I think it's pretty clear to me yeah. what was a, a good path, yeah. Yeah. especially, again, for those career changers that yeah. it doesn't make sense to go back to an undergraduate program after doing, yeah. let's say, 10 years or five years in some yeah. other field, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Sure. But anyway, what I was, uh, sorry for the digression, <laughs> but um, you know, one of the things we're launch, we've launched recently mm-hmm. and are going to continue working on and iterating yeah. on is uh, a progr- programs that help further grow developers. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of where we're going. Yeah. Um, so offering programs for developers, mm-hmm. whether it be through workshops yep. um, mm-hmm. or lunch and learns, but more importantly, so more accessible to people who are already working. Yeah, yeah. it's exactly. It's yeah. part-time programs still yeah. with the in-person model, which is yeah. something we believe firmly in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes, there's a lot of good use cases for online education. Yeah. And I think it, it fits in and we leverage it. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, that in-person kind of camaraderie that comes mm-hmm. with of everybody course. being in the same room, mm-hmm. yeah. even if it's part-time is huge. Yeah. And so, the blockchain program that we recently announced and launched yeah. for devs. It's not a blockchain program for anybody looking to understand about the industry. There's a program mm-hmm. that I think Launch Academy has yeah. that's like very much focused on the entrepreneurial side yeah. and mm-hmm. the how do you understand this whole industry yeah. as an, without coming from a developer background. Yeah. Yeah. And then with us, it's like, okay, you're an existing developer, junior, intermediate, whatever. We've had, seen, we've had our teachers yeah. take mm-hmm. this program. And how do you then start working with things like solidity or yeah. you know things like super cool just yeah. or, or even like vetting other languages yeah. um or frameworks within the blockchain ecosystem. that knowledge mm-hmm. you know we get into the frameworks and the, and the languages like yeah. ethereum and hyperledger but we don't just just like with our bootcamp, we don't get caught up in just those yeah. without really stepping back and mm-hmm. understanding what are the things that we want a good blockchain yeah. developer to have and so we look at things like ethics we look at things like how do you how do you learn something that's so emerging that there is very little coursework for it's yeah. very, like, that's not structured. You can't, there's no like, there's just, no easy yeah. program that you yeah. can just take. Yeah. And even ours is, it's, it's more about the dialogue and the communication and the yeah. project based learning, the hands on learning by doing right. Which is, we didn't really say explicitly, but it's the big thing that's missing from university yeah. in my experience mm-hmm. is the, you know, and is the departure. Like you said, how did I yeah. graduate marketing without learning about digital marketing? It's the, I didn't learn enough by doing Yeah. right. Yep. It'd be, it, that, that's something that I feel is really missing from college and university that's very 100%. prevalent in coding boot camps. I think internships should be not suggested to students in their vacation or their summer breaks, but it should be like incorporated into your education. That's what University of Waterloo does, right? And I was very lucky that University of Guelph, if same thing. If I had thing, gotten that, that opportunity, best, yeah. being like, you can take a semester and take this internship, it's going to be worth this many credits, you will be graded on it. It will work just like a course, but you'll be doing a job yeah. and be hands-on. That I would have 100% taken that opportunity, but it, it wasn't given to me. So therefore, it was either I did that in my summers or I didn't do it at all. And I was paying my university fees, so I had to work through the summer. So I felt like when I, I graduated, mm-hmm. I felt like a little bit bitter about that because I had a few friends who were a little bit more well-off and they were yeah. they, they could afford to take an unpaid internship or like a very or travel for a shitty bit. paid <laughs> internship and and get that hands-on experience um on their in their summer breaks and while i had to work like at a bar or at a restaurant or whatever for the whole summer break to afford school yeah then i graduated with zero experience and it was really hard for me to find a job i, I had racked up quite a bit of osap ontario student uh you know assistance program i think would stand yeah. for basically government mm-hmm. loan yeah. as well as like bank loans. loan yeah. student loan and took me like five six years to pay it off mm-hmm. while having co-op programs by the way so i was lucky in that <laughs> university of Guelph, like and that's what inspired by the way mm-hmm. a lot of the 
learn by doing is my time at university, believe yeah. it or not, where yeah. I was lucky enough that there was a co-op program and I got very good co-op internships yeah. that I realized, yeah. holy shit, I'm, holy crap, I'm learning a lot yeah. on the job. Mm -hmm. yeah. And really, that's what, that's what it's all about, yeah. especially in a craft-based occupation like ours. Yeah. Right? Like software development is not a science. Computer science in itself is kind of misleading. There's definitely yeah. the theoretical academic side of it. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to vocation, mm -hmm. that disconnect, yeah. it's very much yeah. a craft. Yeah. When it comes to building apps, and whether they're mobile or web or blockchain mm -hmm. or being a DevOps person yeah. or whatever it may be, it's very much a craft. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a gray area there. Yeah. There's very much about like learning through experience. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely. But I mean, on the on the topic of growth, and and we hinted at this last week. Um, we promised this would be a very big episode, so here we are. And that's big news. Big news. Um, what what's the announcement we have for you guys in terms of growth? Well, quite a few things happening. We talked about it a little bit uh, off air before we started, yeah. I guess. Um, so we are in the process of moving. It's bittersweet, yeah. um, both in Vancouver and Toronto. Um, so we're moving into, um, in Vancouver, we're, we're actually bringing what's already in Toronto, our other entity, DevHub, <laughs> which is all about developer. It's a developer hub, um, right? Yeah. It's a space similar to Launch Academy, but mm -hmm. instead of four entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. it's four, four developers, four devs by devs, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it's very much not just a space, just like Launch Academy, it's a community. Right, it's a community mm -hmm. for devs, and so we're gonna have different companies working out of there that are very much dev focused, mm -hmm. um, and we're looking for tenants there, uh, which is you know something that's gonna be an ongoing thing, yeah. just like Launch Academy, constant, yep. constant change in the startup world, yeah. um, but you know um, something that's gonna be pretty exciting cool. for us. Where's your uh, new location? So that everybody. Our new location is, I believe, still in Gastown, but on the edge of Gastown at uh, West Georgia, 401 West Georgia is the address. Okay, so cool. it's in a, it's in a, a, it's got a full floor, 13,000 square feet, um, Georgia and uh, and Homer. That's exciting. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the little office the warming. When's the tour? We actually have a tour this week uh, for our for alumni and our students. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, I actually don't know. I'm gonna have to ask Remy, uh, but it is—it's something we're gonna move into pretty soon, and uh, it's gonna be bittersweet because we're not gonna be officially in Launch Academy, although it'll always be yeah. a part of us. Um, so that's and one I big announcement. I'm not gonna get to eat Vicky's cakes anymore. <laughs> yes, that's that's the real real spoiler yeah. here, right? Yeah. And no. You were saying uh, another is that we are—we, as I mentioned, uh, we've launched um, this track of programs for developers that are part-time. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. The one that's being piloted right now and is going to come to Vancouver very soon in September yeah. is the blockchain program for developers. So if you're a developer who is uh, like, hasn't really tapped into the blockchain mm -hmm. or has played around with some online courses, but doesn't, it's really hard to kind of learn and, yeah. and learn especially by doing on that, um, we have a program that's perfect for you. That's part -time it's part-time 12 week program okay. where the last four weeks are a final project, okay. uh, but uh, the eight, first eight weeks are very, very structured. Um, and uh, allows people to work with their schedules, and so companies are sending their their developers to us, and yeah. so are you know, and, and many different yeah. other types of people are coming. So I mean, between DevHub, the blockchain programs, and the other programs, and you know, maybe even your iOS course, how can people find out about this? So quite a few different things. Obviously, you can go to uh, our websites, so LighthouseLabs.ca yeah. uh, or DevHub.ca are yeah. the two different uh, entities that we talked about. Um, you can reach out to us, so whatever medium you prefer, right? Whether it be Twitter or Facebook, you can pretty easily find us on those mediums, so I won't talk about handles, but at the same time, if you prefer to just reach out to us and talk to us, honestly, one of the best ways to come learn more about this is to talk to us. So mm -hmm. in person, right? Whether it's in Vancouver or yeah, Toronto or come, various other cities. Just walk in. Walk in, honestly walk in, have that a conversation with us. Look just like walk you in. belong. Yeah. We're located in Launch Academy. If you don't know where that is, you should look it up because it's yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> and then when and you look confused, you go, Karam? Looking for Karam? <laughs> I heard him on a podcast. Yeah, um, and in Toronto and in soon in Vancouver, we're going to be located at DevHub. So you'll find us, awesome. find our address online, come talk to us, give us a call. Our, our, our phone number is on the website. Great. Worst case, or if you're just preferring email, hello at lighthouselabs.ca. Simple. Yeah. Simple, love it. So right. I mean, with with that, I mean, that like Karam said is bittersweet, um, but it is good news for entrepreneurs out there because mm -hmm. that means that Launch Academy, if you guys can math right, is we are accepting a bunch. I wouldn't say a ton. We have a bunch of spots. We have to open. fill up all the empty desks of all the Lighthouse Lab staff. So some of the, some of them <laughs> have already been taken for. But if you're an entrepreneur, if you're listening to this podcast, um, and you're looking for the community that that Karam was talking about and glowingly but not paid spoke of earlier in this episode um come come to our website we're gonna have a brand new spanking website in the next couple of days um we are nice. taking new applicants in for for august and we want you to be the next lighthouse labs 
Um, and and if, yeah. if you have questions about that specifically, you can email me this time. I'm not going to give Sade's email. It's sam at launchacademy.ca.ca, <laughs> not .com. Um, and let's let's just have a conversation. Like we'll talk. We we we've been around long enough. Let's be real. That we've seen companies come and go, and and we're always super excited when when people are graduating on from Launch Academy, like like Lighthouse Ips, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's there's a different way to graduate, and that's a very realistic part of startups too. Ninety eight percent of startups fail, right? But when somebody's outgrowing us, mm-hmm. I think that is a cause for celebration. Of course. Right. So so with that said. Um, before, because I am starving, dude. We're gonna do food. Um, We've talked for let's, too long. Let's. Um, do you have any last minute announcements for us? Well, I do want to announce we have a really cool um, event coming up next week that everybody should sign up for. I did talk a little bit about it last episode. It's our uh, guide to seed funding, and the panel is gonna be all Launch Academy alumni. So we've got Monique from Lendified, we've got Sarah from Vital Signs, and Craig from Run Go. So it's gonna be a really cool panel of people talking about their experience through seed fundraising and and there's going to be a lot to learn so for all la members you get to go for free so just sign up and then everybody else out there i think it's like 10 bucks for sure yeah. thanks for putting up with my rambling no problem <laughs> and just some housekeeping items if you aren't following and why aren't you following us if you've been yeah. listening for like at this hour in 15 minutes follow us on twitter facebook instagram launch academy hq um so you can get all the tidbits and sometimes we do sneak peeks of what we're eating too but more specifically, what are we eating today? Better not so be. So I chose pizza. food today. Producer <laughs> ladies got it all covered up. Do you have any shout outs? Like, oh, shout out to Shadi's mom. I haven't done yeah. that in a while. We, we shout <laughs> out to Shadi's mom. Every nice. She, she's our most avid listener. So there you go. Oh, so yeah. it's not an insult. <laughs> no, you still looked at me with some crazy eyes. Like, no, no, I think that's awesome. <laughs> are you guys ready? I'm really excited about this what, food. What? It's a. Oh. Wow! Psych. Look at that. <laughs> It's a box, but it's chopsticks. I'm thinking it's not a. She gave me two vegan this is pizzas. Nothing in a row. new to you guys. I just thought it'd be delicious. It's bomb. Nice. Big fan of Vietnamese Forgot food. So I only saw the greens, so I was so like. you get to choose one. I think this one is called Bao Chicka Bao Bao. And then I think the middle one is tuna, and then this one is pork. So, Crum, have you are had, we, are we just had bow down? I have had bow down as a as a. Yeah, is it a preferred spot? Or I know we talked off air about about different types of food and and stuff like that. And you were you were pretty. I'm very opinionated about food. Opinionated and opinionated about food. Didn't anything too crazy this week? I was like, yeah, let's just have. Good she food. played it safe. I actually got I actually got yelled at quite a bit on Reddit when I. Uh, Put some pretty strong opinions about Vancouver's food scene. Really? Wow! I got some down votes and up votes. Well, was it like our Vancouver though? Like, are you? Uh, it was our Vancouver. Yeah. 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 And then and then yeah. I mean, if you're gonna say something critical Choose about, your about Vancouver, I think Vancouver has some awesome food when it comes to obviously, um, you know, things like this: Vietnamese oh. food, um, Chinese food, Japanese yeah. food. Oh my God. It's amazing, right? The, the Especially the health-oriented food, food yeah, as well yeah. when it comes to fusion. See, that's the problem with, with pick whatever me, looks best to you. Food. Wait, which one did you pick? Uh, the mm. the one that looks like a fried chicken cool. inside. Oh, good. So good. All right, so I guess this is a good time to say bye to the camera. Thank bye you. Bye, camera. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>